Hi, tiny pocket friends. Welcome back to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. This is one half of your team captains on your self-development evolving I want to suck less as a human being journey. And the other half of your co-captain team of what I just said, Lisa Linky, is not here today because you know what? We all need a day off and we love her for it. And we say thank you, Lisa, for leading by example and doing what you need to do. I am joined today by an incredible guest, which I will introduce in just a moment. But for some quick housekeeping, we have a Patreon community. We would love for you to join. The link is in show notes. Really cool conversations and community is happening there. And we want you to be a part of it. We go deeper. It's where we check in on something that we try from each of the books. And it gets gnarly, you guys. Also, in case this is your first time listening, this is the podcast where each week we review a popular self-help book and we give you the highs and lows about it. We are reading the books so that you don't have to And you can know in under an hour some main takeaways and if the book is worth your time or if it's a garbage dumpster fire that you should avoid at all costs or something in between because life is not all black and white. And then we also do an additional episode every week called a mini-sode. And that's where we explore anything and everything in the nooks and crannies of the self-help world that is not a book. So we're so glad you're here. And without further ado, I would like to welcome my friend, Jamie Anderson to the podcast. Jamie, hi. Hi, Misty. It's so good to be here. I'm so psyched you're here. And I want to introduce you very quickly for those of you who don't already know and instantly love you because that's the effect that you have on people. So Jamie Anderson is a coach, energy healer, and the co-founder of Coopetition Coaching. After spending a decade in the fitness industry and witnessing the people around her, herself included, burn out time and time again, she and her partner teamed up to form Coopetition Coaching, a coaching service designed to help you fill your own cup. She and her partner, Yonatan, are on a mission to bring more love, pleasure, and joy to the world, and they believe it begins with the self. Ah, I love it so much. And I have been going to your Friday morning exhales where we do Friday morning meditation while Yonatan performs a little bit of Reiki over Zoom. And it's just wonderful and gorgeous. And I encourage everybody to check out Jamie's business. Links are all in show notes. Hello. Hi. So wonderful to be here. Thank you for the introduction. Yeah, of course, of course. And I'm so grateful you're here because as we've talked about the last several episodes, Lisa is going through a period of pretty intense grief right now. And I have also been doing a lot of healing and trying to juggle very new intense job. And you really have stepped up to the plate as a friend to come on and present a book today. And we're so grateful. So thank you for supporting both of us in doing that. And my question for you is, Jamie, what are you bringing us today? I am bringing you a book that I've read twice now, once almost a decade ago and again very recently, and it is called The Ethical Slut, A Practical Guide to Polyamory, Open Relationships, and Other Adventures. Oh my God. I My whole body just got activated because I have been wanting to cover this book forever It's one that I just keep not getting to. And honestly, one that I'm a little bit afraid of. Like I'm intimidated by it. So I'm so happy that you're gonna walk us through this today. If you had to sum up what this book is about in one sentence, what would it be? A slut conversion guide. Um, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But this book demystifies so much of what, like what the word slut means, how we can reclaim it, what polyamory is and how it looks and really what it looks like to step outside of monogamy, because monogamy is one set of agreed upon rules. And as soon as you step out of that, 
you're open to everything else. And this book really gives you a a map to what that looks like, what your options are, how to communicate some really delicate, tricky things with your partner, your lover, your family, your friends. Mm -hmm. And is like this very gentle guide for anyone who has questions about non-monogamy. That is fascinating. And I love that you use the word gentle because when I see, you know, a title like the ethical slut, it's like slut is such a charged word and it has so much negative context and baggage. And so to hear that this is a gentle guide is really, really interesting. And I did go ahead and look up the prices of the book for everybody wondering for hardcover. I didn't see a hardcover, but I was surprised because it feels like it's that kind of book. The paperback is $17.46 on bookshop.org. The Kindle's $12.99. I could not find the audiobook on Libro.fm, but it is one credit on Audible. And on the Overdrive app, I think it just depends on your area. But if it's in your local library, which it may not be, it should be free. Jamie, what are your first impressions of this book? Is this book practical or is it woo-woo? I think it's super practical. And reading through it, I think even even if you're not interested in non-monogamy for yourself, but you just have questions about what else is out there, what other people are doing, or you have questions about how to navigate difficult conversations. Like they cover jealousy. They cover hard conversations about boundaries with your partner. Like if you're interested in having really honest, open conversations about sex and everything that that brings forward, this book is so useful. I love that. So it's not just for people who are interested in polyamory or some form of some alternate to monogamy. Like this could work really well for somebody in a very monogamous relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And they actually cover in this book, the two women who authored this book, cover what that looks like, right? Like how to how to be a little bit more playful and experiment a little within the construct of monogamy. And I love the way that they, so they address exactly what you said about this, this negative connotation to the word slut. It's like charged with something that makes us react a little bit. And these women are over it. They're like, we're going to reclaim <laughs> this word. This is a good word in our world. We call our friends sluts. We love it. We like to be called sluts. And I love the way that they redefine it because it takes a lot of this like charge and perception out of it. And they redefine it as a slut is a person of any gender who celebrates sexuality according to the radical proposition that sex is nice and pleasure is good for you. That sex is nice and pleasure is good for you. Thank you. Sex is nice. Pleasure is good for you. Yes. <laughs> One more time for the people in the back. In the back, sex is nice. Pleasure is good for you. Also, by the way, if you couldn't tell, this is an adult podcast. You knew that when you clicked on it. It has a little E for explicit. Okay, so let's dive in, Jamie. So what what is kind of the, what are the messages in this book that you want to share with us? Mm, question. I mean, what I just shared is really, I think, like it sums the book up so beautifully because these two women are so wonderful. They've been friends for, I think, over two decades at this point in time. And they've been lovers. They are co-authors. They have primary partners. They have a sexual relationship with one another. Like they, they're bisexual. Like they check a lot of the boxes of stepping outside of the sexual norms. And they talk, you know, I, they speak really candidly about mistakes that they've made. This book is filled with personal stories, their own friends' stories, and then practical gui- a practical guide for how to, you know, avoid some of these problems that come up with non-monogamy. I love this. I'm so on board. Lay it on me. Amazing. So the first thing that I want to dive into is... Really this idea that being a slut is a good thing if you want to be. Like if you want to identify as a slut, it's not bad. It's beautiful. And they they speak so beautifully about how wrapped up in sexuality we have been and how negative of a relationship we as a culture have to sex in general, whether you're in a monogamous relationship, in a non-monogamous relationship, whether you're single and that's your chosen way of being in this life. 
And we don't really like, we don't talk about sex very much, you know? We don't. And I want to jump in really quickly because as you're saying all of this, I feel very aware of the fact that slut is a word used for women. Slut is very, very gendered. We don't often call men sluts. They get the much more positive connotation of stud. And this idea that men can have all the sex they want and we look at them and go, wow, they're healthy. They're really living into their biological imperative. But if a woman is having all the sex she wants, we as a society, even though it's just biologically the same function, you know, as whatever a a man is doing, we label that as dirty, wrong, immoral, something to be reprimanded. And I'm just really aware, I, I guess I'm curious, does this feel like a book that is more written for women? They definitely touch on some of these experiences that women tend to have more often, which is, and and some of the key ones that I'll mention are lack of ability to talk about sex. I think men, it's a little bit more acceptable in our society for men to talk candidly about sex, to talk about their sexual partners, to talk about the kind of sex they're having, to talk about the kind of sex they like to have, to talk about their fantasies. And women so often don't, aren't really given dialogue to talk about, to talk openly about sex. And we're shamed around it. Totally. Yeah. And we look at where we first see sex. And for so many of us, it's in porn where the man tends to be very dominant. It is very male pleasure focused. Mm-hmm. It's not as focused on the woman. We don't even so much see examples of what might feel good and pleasurable for a woman. And mm-hmm. in this book, they or go see into men being tender, right? And there's they they talk about in this book. They speak so beautifully about the different types of sex, and you can be in a non monogamous relationship and choose to only experience penetrative sex with your primary partner. There are all these other ways that we can experience sex. Sex, as it's defined in this book, could be spending an hour giving your partner a foot massage. Mm, Oh, that's a totally different way to approach it. Mm -hmm. Wow. And we can just start to, they really create some expansiveness in the definition of sex. And they go so far as to say that, and we hear this often, you know, everything is about sex. And... At, at a certain point in the book, I love this. They're like, you're having sex right now. And, <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, what? I'm reading a book. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, all right, let's like, let's get into this. And sexual energy is around us all the time. And if we choose to tap into that, we can see the sexuality in things, the sensuality in things that all of our connections are intimate connections on a certain level, right? Some of them being much less intimate, some of them being more, but it's a spectrum, right? It's not that I have a sexual partner or a non-sexual partner. You have, you know, I think we all have friends that we connect with a little more intimately. It does feel maybe a little sexual, but we're, we haven't had sex with them or maybe we have. And then just, I just so appreciate the expansiveness that they give to the definition of sex and sexuality and the openness that they give you to explore pleasure that is not traditional sex and talk mm. about it. I love that. It feels, it feels like giving permission, which I need. And I know so many people just need to hear like, pleasure doesn't have to be this one narrow thing. Yeah. It's good stuff. And it, this book, I, I want to also mention that this book is packed with activities to do, little pieces of homework. And one of the ones that lit me up so much was writing about the things that would bring you pleasure, right? Because so often, I know I've experienced this. I get it. I, I've gotten into a sexual situation and I don't like, I don't have the words for what would feel better for me or what I want to happen. And so I find myself not really participating in a way that's like steering the ship in one direction or another. And it makes so much sense because 
we don't really talk about sex with most, most people don't talk about sex with their friends, with their partner even. And so to get into a situation that's as high pressure and intimate as sex and expect yourself to have the words is a lot. And they peel it back and give you the homework of like, write about it, write about your fantasies, maybe talk about them when you're not experiencing sex with your partner, have a conversation about your fantasies and start to develop this skill of talking candidly about sex and and feeling really comfortable sharing what would bring you pleasure. Yeah, that feels hugely powerful. Because if we don't ever let ourselves talk about it, how or think about it, how are we ever supposed to get it? Right. And we do all deserve pleasure in all of the ways that it can manifest. Absolutely. And we have to it starts with us, right? We have to explore what would feel good and for that you need Sometimes we need permission to, ex- like, we, and we have total permission, full permission to explore our pleasure, our sexuality, and feel really good about it. Yeah, and find ways to explore that when we're feeling safe so that we can continue to keep ourselves safe. Because I think pleasure can only be experienced when you feel fully safe, you know? So I love that they do that. I wasn't expecting a book about sex to have homework, which is really <laughs> delightful. It's, it's so wonderful. And all of the homework, um, one of the authors is, she's a marriage and family therapist and, and works specifically with non-traditional relationships and people in sexual minorities. And So all of these exercises feel very grounded in things that I personally have experienced in therapy just outside of the sexual realm, right? Like things that are really Mm. designed to create safety and help you create some real change in the way that you're approaching sex if you want that. I have to read this book. Like already (laughs) we're like 15 minutes into the episode and I'm like, I have to read this book. So what, what else resonated with you? What else, what else do you want to share with us from these two authors? They have a chapter on jealousy, which, of course, I, I think that, that— My stomach just got so tight. <laughs> jealousy is the worst. Yeah. It is the most, like, triggering, hot, flooded emotion, at least the way I experience it. I hate it. I hate jealousy. Right. And I think that's so many people's experience. And— I've shared with you before that my relationship is not monogamous. And so I've experienced jealousy. I read this book years ago before I entered into a really serious non-monogamous relationship. And this helped me so much. As I read this book the first time, I really read it as whether you want to have sex with one person for the rest of your life forever or not, this really teaches you how to not, how to navigate your emotions and all of the emotions that come up because I don't know a single person who doesn't experience jealousy sometimes, whether it's with a friend, with a partner, whoever. Coworker, someone gets a promotion at work and you feel jealous. Like it can manifest in so many ways. And jealousy is this emotion that with, with most of our other emotions, we don't really let them drive the ship and we don't let them halt things completely in their tracks. Whereas we see jealousy and we instantly say, what you did was bad because I felt jealous. Mm. Right? And mm. shit. <laughs> shit. Any anybody else listen. I'm not panicking. <laughs> You're panicking. I'm fine. <laughs> Take a deep breath. <laughs> it's normal. We all feel it, you know? And jealousy is the worst. It's such an icky feeling because really the way that they redefine jealousy and and the way that they talk about jealousy is that jealousy is something that brings up your deepest insecurities. And they use this really beautiful analogy of, you know, I think that we're all familiar with the idea that childhood trauma so often when not processed is something that we hang on to and it shows up for us in our lives as adults. And they talk about it as this pot And when we're a child and we can't handle this trauma, we shove it into a pot and we put the lid on. And when we feel jealous, we feel that pot getting shaken up and we feel like the lid might come off. And it's terrifying, right? To have to... It's the worst. It is. And really what those feelings want is to be seen and witnessed and 
as soon as we take a step back, take, take a deep breath, understand that this feeling won't last forever, and really it's a sign that something wants to be seen and let go of, it allows you to not let not let jealousy steer the ship, right? I have talked to so many people who say, oh, I could never be in a non-monogamous relationship because, because I feel jealousy, because of my jealousy. And it's not that people who are not monogamous don't feel jealousy, but the emotion just becomes less powerful because if your partner is experiencing love, sex, play, joy with someone other than you, jealousy is bound to come up. And when you get in the practice of just looking at your jealousy, witnessing it, and really getting to the root of it, and you have a partner that sits with you in that, right? That's like, okay, cool. Like, I I see that what I'm doing is making you uncomfortable. Let's talk about this. Let's witness this. Let's see what's really going on. How can I make you feel more safe and also experience my pleasure? Those two things can coexist. Mm. Yeah, I. this just... This is such a powerful reframe to see jealousy or any triggers as like markers on the pathway to healing. Like they can really be signals of, hey, over here, pay attention to me. This is a part that needs to be healed. This is a part that needs to be felt or acknowledged. That is also like it sounds so good in theory <laughs> and i can only imagine that the practice is really tough you know of managing those emotions and looking inward and doing that healing and it just sounds like it could be an intense process with a healthy outcome but you know it's it sounds like really brave work yeah and it's it's just that and they're very clear about that in this book that being an ethical slut is work it's work on your jealousy and your insecurities. It's work on your communication because you are bound to miscommunicate or hurt someone or experience someone's discomfort at some point. And really they hold you accountable to knowing better and doing better and exploring these things as opportunities to be better rather than something to avoid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're just going to be kind of instantly confronted with <laughs> a lot of a lot of places where you could expand. And I have a question. So what's the ethical part of it? So this is not just a book about like, let's redefine slut and like hop into that mindset. So what makes an ethical slut ethical? An ethical slut, and this like each chapter of the book kind of gets into a different aspect of this. An ethical slut is someone who to circle back to where we started, believes that sex and pleasure are good for you and who is committed to pursuing that sexual pleasure when it feels good, when it feels right, when it feels like it's coming from a positive place, right? If you're looking to fill a void with sex or avoid something, that's not ethical behavior as it's defined by this book. If you're just looking for like, a one night stand or to make or to use someone or to make someone jealous that's that doesn't fit into this an ethical slut is someone who communicates really clearly right like if you're in a partnered relationship and you meet someone new communicate that i'm in a partnered relationship here's what's going on if you are having sex with someone who's not your primary partner and you start to feel love it's communicating with everyone involved, hey, my feelings have changed and now you you get to have all the information. It's a commitment to having these really challenging conversations to really doing the work on yourself to communicate in a healthy way and to really being true to yourself, you know, which resonates so hard with me, you know, like we we show up better for the people in our lives when we're taking care of ourselves. Yes, absolutely. It's, I mean, it just sounds to me like this is a book about consent, communication, and shadow work. It just happens to be using sexual pleasure and, you know, an expanded idea of what relationship structures could look like as the sort of 
vehicle for doing this deeper work. Absolutely. Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, wow. It does. I remember the first time I read it and halfway through, I was just like, everyone needs to read this. Like, And, and it would be, you can't convince everyone to read a book titled The Ethical Slut. I get that. And there are so mm-hmm. many beautiful nuggets of just wisdom that touches every aspect of your life in this book. And the beautiful thing is I really don't believe that this is a book that needs to be read cover to cover. There, There's a chapter on mm. boundaries. If boundaries is where you want to start, start there. Like get into setting healthy boundaries and that'll touch every relationship that you have. I love that. So, I, so if I'm a person who is terrified of this book, but feels intrigued in some way, curious, or just kind of like drawn to it, like I could buy it and just flip to the chapters that feel safer, just flip to, just take what I need on like a sort of pick it up every once in a while basis. I feel like this book is going to be, it it must be so misunderstood for people who don't read it. You know what I mean? I can see immediately why people, and I think this is why I was afraid to cover it because it feels like afraid to read it myself. I think that's why it's taken me so long to get to it because like, I think people hear the title and instantly are like, I know what that is. Fuck that. I want no part of that, you know, religion wise or whatever. But it sounds like, I guess what comes to mind is like, you could be curious about non-monogamy or you could just want to have better conversations in your monogamous relationship. But you could also go, is poly for me? Is polyamory for me? Is some kind of structured non-monogamy for me? And you could read all about it and then go, I'm so glad I read about it because I realize monogamy is the way for me to go. That's what I want out of my life. That's how I'm going to feel safest. Yeah, absolutely. And they celebrate that in this book. You know, a slut does not have to be someone who's going to an orgy every weekend. You can be monogamous and identify as a slut. (laughs) You get to choose what it, like, what what does your pleasure look like for you? Mm. Oh, I love that. I want to just say that one more time so it can sink in. You get to choose what your pleasure looks like for you. Oh, that's it. Yeah, Jamie and I just both sank back in our chairs. <laughs> that feels good. That's a good question. And I want that in every context of my life. I want that when I'm taking a shower. I want that when I'm picking out a new pair of sweatpants. I want that when I'm deciding what I order for dinner. Like, I want to choose what my pleasure looks like for me in all of the small contexts and all of the big ones, you know? Oh, that's so great. Okay, so we've got this reframed definition of slut. We have these ideas of boundary setting, open communication, and then how jealousy can actually be used to look inward to start to heal some core emotional wounds. So what else resonated with you from this book? Like what kind of stuck out as powerful? I think they did... And something I was very present to is that they did a really thorough job of covering what this looks like no matter where you fall on the map. So there's a full chapter about if you've chosen to be a single slut and what that looks like. There's a full chapter on opening an existing relationship, how to have those conversations. And I've seen those conversations go horribly awry. And I've also seen those go well. And this gives you a roadmap of like, hey, here's how you can royally screw it up. And here's how to really hurt your partner. Because generally when this comes up, it's one partner saying, hey, I've been thinking about opening our relationship up. And the other partner is usually like, oh, I haven't been thinking about that at all. And now I like my, I just don't know what to do with this information. And they talk about if you're someone who's really into group sex, if you're someone who's really into more like deep romantic connections with multiple people. And I think that they just create space for wherever you fall on the map, you can start to read through this and see what you most identify with. Or if you don't identify with any of it, that's great. I just, I haven't seen any other books or really any other examples of 
what these relationships can look like, the rainbow of colors that they can come in, what your options are if you choose not to be monogamous. And I really appreciate that they set out some really clear examples. They talk about healthy communication, poor communication. They share their own mistakes. And it just gives you something to identify with. You know, you can start to see where you might fall within that map if you don't identify as monogamous. Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious if they touch on like the history or biology of human relationships. Cause I know you and I have chatted offline about the book Sex at Dawn which talks about, you know, sort of the evolution, like when when human beings were more nomadic and agricultural before the Industrial Revolution, and really talks about how this idea of monogamy formed versus how we were when we were living a little bit more in line with the idea that humans are animals just like anything else and, you know, have these biological imperatives. And so I guess I'm, I'm curious, if they, do they go into that in any depth about sort of why, why scientifically monogamy is challenging for some people or why it's maybe not inherent to human biological patterns? They don't in this book so much. There are a couple of really, really pointing examples from history of how we ended up in a place where we're shaming people for their sexuality. They don't touch on the biology of it. And Sex at Dawn is a really lovely counterpart to read with this if you are curious about how we're wired sexually, like how we're actually designed as human beings and what that's been, histo- what's that looked like historically. This book doesn't go into that. There is, this made me think of a really lovely quote that I pulled up. And it's it's confronting. I guess I won't call it lovely, a very confronting quote that they <laughs> dropped in here. And they say in, le- in his lectures to young communists in Germany during the rise of Hitler and the Nazis, psychologist William Reich theorized that suppression of sexuality was essential to an authoritarian government. Without the imposition of anti-sexual morality, he believed people would be free from shame and would trust their own sense of right and wrong. Oh, oh, oh shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I mean, it, it, oh, God. Oh, God, that just broke me wide open. I'm being really restrained right now because also, if you just look at the history, history of religion and politicians and the ruling class, you can just, you can literally historically without emotion say, look at all these systems they implemented to control the masses. Like what you just said, they wouldn't feel shame and would trust their own instincts of right and wrong. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm so angry and also so just dumbfounded by that. Oh, this is powerful, complex, emotional stuff we're talking about. And I wish it weren't because we don't look at squirrels and go like, that lady squirrel is such a slut because she has had sex with five of the squirrels in her tree and she has had 10 babies and da 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 da. Like, we, we just don't put it on other animals that kind of shame. We don't look at our dog humping the couch with its lipstick out going like, this is immoral. Like we're a little uncomfortable, but we're like, it's a dog. It has knees. <laughs> like it can do that. I like, get it. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then human sexuality is fraught with all of this shame and these triggers and historical context and absolutely damaging messages. So I just want to acknowledge that if any of our tiny pocket friends who are listening to this are having those complex feelings, I'm feeling it too. And we're all just a product of the culture we were brought up in. Yeah, it's true. And I'll add in that this, this 
book creates just a little more safety around sexuality. You know, it sets some examples of what it what it looks like to be a healthy sexual human being because I don't I look around and I don't see many examples of that. I'm seeing more and more and it's so inspiring and it's a new it's a tough conversation. And this book creates like it gives you language to use to talk to your family about it, talk to your friends about it. They also talk about when it might not be appropriate to share this with people. And there's something so powerful about having the right language to talk about something, to talk about your desires, your needs. And then it's beyond just this feeling sitting inside you like something's not right. You can verbalize it. And this book frees up a lot of space to talk about it. And personally, I found that the more I've spoken about this with people in, you know, in the appropriate settings, people are ready for this conversation. A lot more people than you would think. And a lot of, a a lot of people have, are, are, you know, ready to do things a little differently. We see the divorce rate. We see so many people getting cheated on and lied to. And so many people that we know and trust and are shocked would cheat and lie doing that. And you look around and, you know, It's clearly not working for all of us. Monogamy is not working for all of us. For a lot of us, yeah. So how do we do that? How do we explore that desire to be with someone else in a way that's respectful to our partner and to ourselves and doesn't wreck our whole life, you know? Right, because I, I guess the thing I'm hearing in that is also like, there tends to be this inherent tension between the safety and consistency we crave of really being held and acknowledged and in sacred union with a partner and building a life and all of the practical things that go with that, buying a house together, investing for retirement together, raising a family together, but also these real, authentic, valid human urges to connect with other people or have sensual experiences with other people and It sounds like this book is helping navigate those tensions that we feel. Because what I'm hearing is not, hey, here's a way to selfishly get what you want and help your partner not be jealous. I'm hearing here is how to nurture a whole and loving sacred relationship with a partner and have other things in the mix. Amazing. Can I ask you some questions? I think we've already covered this, but just in case, did this book need to be written? Yes. (laughs) Absolutely, yes. (laughs) I love it. And you've touched on this a little bit, but was there anything specifically that you put into practice from this book and how did it affect you? Ooh, that's a good question. So the way I was introduced to this book was with one of my very first serious relationships when I was 21 years old. And he had been a serial cheater. And at the beginning of our relationships that I'm really trying to work on this, I don't want to cheat on you. And I was like, okay, great. You're working on yourself. Great. Love hearing that going into. (laughs) It ended really well. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) And, you know, I learned so much in that relationship and he was working with a therapist at the time and the therapist recommended he read this book. He came to me and said, Hey, she recommended that we read this book. I read it to cover to cover. He never picked his copy up. And I, you know, it's, it's a lot of work to do. Like you've said it, this book sounds like a lot of work. You have to be ready to confront your stuff and ready to really take accountability for any behavior that you have that could potentially hurt someone. I'm so grateful that I read it because throughout the course of this relationship, I was able to navigate jealousy in a different way than I had before, have a better understanding of I'm responsible for myself and that's all. I'm not responsible for my partner's behavior. That is their work to do on themselves. And we aren't together anymore, but the the experience of reading this while in a relationship, while trying to navigate something that I've always known, like internally, that monogamy just wasn't the right setup for me. 
It's given me so many tools to both communicate with partners about who I am and where I'm at and be really, really honest and lovingly honest. And it's also given me tools that I've applied in really challenging work settings, in difficult conversations with friends, because these things, jealousy, boundaries, all of this, it comes up everywhere. It shows up with family, with friends, with coworkers. And so it's, you know, it's really impacted me in so many ways since I first picked it up. And I don't remember what your question was. <laughs> was what did you put into practice from this book? And it's, oh my God, so thoroughly. And thank you for sharing that. And that's, it's just, it's so, it's so interesting because some books we walk away from being like, cool. Like, I think I know how to like manage my time a little bit better. You know, we get like a tiny takeaway from a self-help book. And this, this sounds like one of those ones that could be like a fundamental reframe about how we approach difficult conversations and how we identify our own needs. Cause that's like the first step, right? Is we have to identify before we can articulate, before we can get them met. Yeah. That's God, Jamie, that's amazing. And I'm curious, do you feel the author missed anything? Hmm. I think that a little bit of information about our biology, like I read Sex at Dawn years after I read this. And when I read that, it completely solidified how I felt about this book. A little information about that could be really helpful. Beyond that, it feels really complete. They also have like a two or three page list of book and website recommendations at the end, like further resources that you can use. And so Mm. I think anything missed in this book, like if you have questions, it's separated by category. This is a a wealth of information. You know, I love a big fat index. Yes. It's so good. (laughs) Yes. Who, this is a tricky question because like, I feel like my question is who would you buy this book for and who would you never buy it for? And this is a particularly tricky question because I think anytime someone goes, hey, here's a self-help book you should read, it can be triggering in and of itself. Right. (laughs) So like, if you were to gift this book to somebody, like who, who would that be? And who would you be like, don't, I mean, like, don't buy it for grandma. It sounds like, <laughs> but you know. I mean, it's, it's funny that you say that. Actually, I was talking to my mom yesterday and she asked me what I was doing this weekend. And I told her I was, I was coming on your podcast and she goes, oh, how can I listen to it? And I was like, I want to let you know that I'm reviewing a book about non-monogamy. <laughs> we're going to talk about sex. And if you don't want to listen to it, it's fine. And she She's such an evolved woman. She was like, you know, I I don't totally understand it, but I want to understand your world. And I know that this is important stuff. Like I'm open-minded. And so Mm. maybe for grandma, you know, it depends. But (laughs) I... I would buy this book for someone who has expressed that they are maybe struggling with monogamy. Someone who has expressed that they're wired in a different way and doesn't feel like they have the resources or support. In particular, if this isn't a conversation you're comfortable having with someone, but you want to give them some support, this is a really excellent resource guide. I definitely wouldn't buy it for anyone that you're trying to convince that this is the way, you know? And I think that's the same with any self-help book. Like you don't want to Like, here's how I think about things. And I think you should think about things this way too. Oh God, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. really, really someone who's maybe feeling a little stuck in their sexuality, who's in the midst of exploring their sexuality a little bit, this is a really beautiful addition to a library like that. Thank you. And I'm curious, would you recommend that if somebody really wanted like all of the historical context as well as this, would you recommend that they read sex at dawn before this book? Or do you feel like it doesn't really matter the order? And this, I have not read either book. So I I am really in the dark. I find this book to be much less dense, much less overwhelming. It's a quicker read. It's easier to read. So I might actually start with this one. And this one just lets you feel it out, right? Like based on my own experience, rather than all history of humanity, based on my own experience, how does this sit with me? And then let's go into like historically how have human beings had sex and approach sex. 
Yeah. <laughs> Dip your toe in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sex at Dawn is a good read if you're like, if you're in the pool, you're, you've gotten in, you're not cold anymore. Read Sex at Dawn. Ethical mm. Slut is a more, I think a, for me, a more gentle place to start and more fun. Thank you. Thank you. Oh God. And we want that. We want pleasure to feel safe and satisfying and fun. And it's okay to want those things and it is okay to have those things. Okay, so here's the question I'm most nervous to ask. Do you have any homework for Lisa and I? Oh, it's a good question. I actually, I have a couple of these exercises bookmarked. Oh my God. So give me a second and I'll find <laughs> a good one for you. Thank you. What kind of, do you want homework that feels pleasurable or homework that feels like work? Oh my God. Well, obviously, obviously the more work I can pile on. Um, No, I guess I want it. I want it to feel pleasurable. And also Lisa and I will be doing this homework and talking about it in our deep dives, which are unedited video episodes on our Patreon so if you want to see this candid, raw conversation of whatever Jamie's about to say, click on the Patreon link in show notes and there's a tier for absolutely everybody. Mm. I like the idea of autonomy. I think it's nice to have choices. So I'm going to give you two different exercises and you can pick which one feels better for you. Great. Great. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. I love it. I consent. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so the first, the first piece of homework, and I think this is really fun because one of the really wonderful takeaways from this is that like your sense of sexuality and turn on actually comes from you, you know, and you get to decide what turns you on instead of feeling like kind of victim to the things around you needing to turn you on. There's a lot of empowerment that we can find in sexuality and turn on. And so one of, their, one of their exercises, one of their pieces of homework I'll read to you, and it's from their chapter on sex and pleasure, and it's to go to a store, any store, it could be a discount clothing store, a thrift store, a sex shop, a lingerie store, whatever works for you. Buy yourself something sexy, something that feels sexy to your body today. Central is a good place to start. Anything from silk to soft new flannel or really fine cotton, loose fitting or tight, It doesn't matter what it looks like as long as you feel good in it. What colors are sexy to you? Are they rich, rich, deep shades and hues? What expresses your inner slut? Close your eyes and feel your way through the racks. Leather and velvet are divine to touch, so invite the touch you dream of. Even some denims are startlingly sensual, so try to buy jeans by the feel. (laughs) Let go of what anything is supposed to be and let your skin choose what it wants. Go home and parade around in it. Oh my God. I love that. I, and also it's COVID, so I might like shop my own closet and yeah. see what I already have that feels really good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Do what feels nice. But I really love the idea of really finding sensuality in, in something that you're wearing, you know? Like, that feels so good. And especially, I really appreciate that they include that it doesn't, like, it doesn't have to be lingerie. It could be flannel pajamas, yeah, you know? it could be a flannel, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, so that's option number one. Mm-hmm. The second one is on, it's on their chapter called Roadmaps Through Jealousy. One of the really wonderful things that they they talk about as they talk about jealousy is just this idea that you— have the power to change your mind and to change your environment and to make yourself more comfortable. And so this exercise is called 15 Ways to Be Kind to Yourself. And it comes up in jealousy because sometimes we're like in this icky feeling and having a list of things we can do to make ourselves feel just a little better is so helpful as it relates to getting out of that funk or moving through it. If jealousy is bringing up our deepest insecurities, there might be a lot of really harsh self-talk going on there, right? So like, you're not as good as that other person. You don't deserve it. It's never going to happen for you. They'll, they love that other person more than they love you or whatever. Yeah. 
right? A hundred percent. And even, you know, Mm. even if it's coming up in like a coworker got a promotion and you think that you both work equally hard or you work harder, this is, have this list on deck because it's hard to think of in the moment, how do I take care of myself? If you've already made a list, like, okay, we've, we've gone over this. Let's, let's find that list and do something. Yes. This exercise is really simple. Write a list of 15 things you can do to be kind to yourself. Like buying yourself flowers. I know that you're a big fan of this. Like I am. Yes. I am. Top of my list. Oh my God. Every time you buy me flowers or a plant, which you've done several times, it just feels so amazing. (laughs) The feeling is mutual. It's so mutual. And like that, that's so simple. And it could be, you know, if you're on a budget, go buy yourself a single rose, something romantic, something that makes you feel good, you know? Soak my feet in hot water, give them a rub. Sometimes it helps to ask yourself, what could I do to feel a little bit safer, a little bit better, or a little bit more taken care of? Put the items on your list on an index card, and the next time you feel upset and could use some kindness, pull a card and do what it says. Oh, that's beautiful. It's a little self-compassion gambling, right? Like, I don't know what card I'm going to pull, but I'll do this. Oh, that's really beautiful. Thank you for those options. Thank you for this. Thank you for this really beautiful peek into this book and for sharing all the positive ways that it's impacted you and for just being truly just a goddess, a self-embodied goddess. And for anybody who wants to work with Jamie or learn more about her coaching business, All of the links are in show notes. It's Coopetition Coaching. It's based here in Los Angeles, but everything, of course, is virtual and over Zoom too. So there's options for everybody. And if anybody has read this book and has thoughts about it, I would just love to hear it. I'm terrified and I can't wait. Uh, Go help yourself podcast at gmail.com. And Jamie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Misty. This was... The best way to spend my morning. (laughs) I'm so glad. And with that, everybody, may your pleasure seeking be abundant. Bye. Go Help Yourself was produced by Misty Stinnett and Lisa Linky. Our theme song was written by the inimitable Matt Sav. Inimitable. There's nothing we love more than hearing from you. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. We're also at gohelpyourselfpodcast on Instagram and at ghypodcast on Twitter. And you can go old school and check out our website at gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. It basically is a fancy PowerPoint slide. If you liked our podcast, <laughs> please subscribe, rate, and review because it helps helps other people find our show. You know who else needs to find it? Your friends. Tell all of your friends. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.